This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, fellow explorers to Awareness Explorers. I'm your co-host, Jonathan Robinson, and with my trusty and crusty co-host, Brian Tom O'Connor, your crusty toe-host. Yes. Um, good to see you, Brian. Today's topic is one that I think is very juicy. It is basically conditioning and conditions we place on being happy. And before we dive into the meat of that juicy topic, uh, a shout out to our Patreon supporters. Thanks for supporting us. If you want to support us and get a bunch of extra stuff, go to patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers. And we appreciate it. And we like to send you extra meditations and tidbits from our interviews and occasional blogs as well. But um, all that's on that page. And, and thank you for supporting the podcast. So when we talk about conditioning and the conditions that we place on life to be happy, what's the first thing that pops into your conditioned head? <laughs> well, the first thing is that I think of conditioning and conditions as two separate things. I think of conditioning as the way that the individual mind and personality has been sort of primed to have automatic reactions to things. And I think of conditions as the demands that we place on experience in order to be happy. Wouldn't those conditions so be automatic uh, program things so they're connected in that way? No, not necessarily automatically. It could be something that in our mind, like, you know, I'm, I can only be happy if I have a certain amount of money, or I only can be happy if I have a kind of relationship that I want, or I can only be happy if I'm famous. Those are not necessarily automatic or even subconscious, whereas conditioning can happen and you're not even aware of it. But usually those conditions, I suppose they can happen when you're not aware of it, are usually in your mind and they're ideas you have about how your experience should be. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just uh, agree that that last definition, all the ideas that we have in our mind, whether they be uh, we be aware of them or not, as to conditions we need in order for how our life should be. And those conditions that we place on reality are huge. I don't care how enlightened you are. Uh, we have a list of conditions that last I looked at had 943 different elements to it. And that's <laughs> approximate number. Um, and I've worked many years to lessen my number of conditions on reality, but they're still there. And I think that one of the problems is that as you become more awake or enlightened, you might think that you don't place a lot of conditions on life, but uh, I would call that just a little bit of spiritual bypassing. You know, people say, oh, there's no self. I'm not placing any conditions on it. Well, you know, see how, how you feel if uh, someone cuts off your legs. You might say, yeah, well, actually, I would prefer that people not do that. Absolutely. Well, you can certainly still have preferences because they're part of the human uh, experience. And we can't use non-duality to deny the human experience. That's actually a mis misunderstanding of non-duality because duality is included within it. But we have a whole lot of ideas, including 
ideas about what it's like to be enlightened or awakened. In other words, I will not become enlightened unless I have a whole lot of quiet time to myself. For example, that's a condition. Or I will not be happy unless I'm enlightened. That's a condition. And guess what? They're all in the mind. They have nothing to do with reality. Yeah, and we also have a lot of conditions about what will happen when we're enlightened. I've talked to some people who I consider incredibly awake, and they don't think of themselves as awake because they don't levitate. You know, so their condition, uh, I know I'm enlightened when I levitate. I've actually talked to people like that. Really? On a more subtle level, yeah, on a more subtle level, you know, a lot of people in the advanced TM program thought that they would be able to levitate, and then they found that they could not. And they thought, well, since I'm not levitating, I must not be enlightened. So, you know, it can get kind of crazy. But a lot of people will have deep peace all the time and they'll say, yeah, no, I'm not, not enlightened or awake. And I say, why not? And they say, well, I don't have spiritual powers or I still have problems with manifesting money or I still have health issues. And I don't put those conditions on enlightenment. Uh, the bar is lower for me. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it it. And the same thing with life. You know, some people, they're not happy unless they're at 8% body fat. They make $3 million a year. They're always happy and they have wonderful health and wonderful kids. That's when they'll be happy. Well, if that's your conditions for being happy, you probably won't be happy very often in your life. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's pretty wise of you to uh, lower that bar on enlightenment and in particularly lowering the bar on all the conditions you have for happiness because in my personal opinion it's all about happiness enlightenment is nice but the only reason i'm interested in enlightenment is is for happiness and i think happiness is actually our natural state it's what we all it's what we all started out with and then we learned that there was something wrong with us or the world and that we had to put conditions on our experience. And it's those conditions that actually veil the happiness that's our natural state. Yeah, and some of those conditions, really, they're very different for different people. You know, some people will say, well, I need to make $2,000 a year to be happy. And some people say, I need to make a hundred million dollars a year to be happy. That's not like a 10% difference or even a a 500% difference. That's a a million percent difference. And there are people in both camps. There are also people who have really intense conditions about their weight, about how they look. And if, you know, they have uh, uh, bags under their eyes, they're not going to be happy until that situation is solved. And these are just, you know, one of hundreds of conditions we place on life. Uh, Some people have the conditions that I can't be happy if my mate has a certain habit I don't like, whereas other people are totally fine with their mate having bad habits. So we obscure the natural state of peace and happiness with literally dozens, if not hundreds of what I call rules. I can't, and rules are always, if, if X, then I can't be happy. If 
the weather is not sunny, I can't feel good. If I weigh five pounds more than I want, I can't be happy. And it gets out of control because society and our parents and our own minds are always trying to place conditions. Yes, and I think that's a good term, rules. I think that's a very good way of defining it. And, and you're right, they're different for different people and at different times of your life. I remember I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. When I was a teenager, someone offered me a job that paid $50 a week. And I thought, wow, if I had $50 a week, I'd be so happy I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> right, now, granted, right. I was a teenager a long, long time ago. But, you know, uh, then it was if I only earned a certain number of places in my, in my annual salary. Yeah, it's kind of funny when you look at it, because I know a lot of people who say, if I only had a relationship, then I'd be happy. And then I know a lot of people come a, a couples counselor, if only I didn't have a relationship, I'd be happy, you know, so right. it, it, uh, it goes both ways. And Tony Robbins, a famous motivational speaker has this idea that we didn't choose most of these rules or conditions, they were given to us by our parents or by our culture. And yet, we act as if they are written by God, him herself on tablets and that we must obey them and we don't question them necessarily. So the first step, I think, is to say, well, what are my conditions that I'm placing on happiness? How much money do I need? How much health do I need? How much control over my world do I need? How good of a job do I need? How nice does the weather have to be? And to start to question, is that really necessary or could I just relax into now, which is uh, a way of like eliminating all the conditions. Yes, I think that's a really good summary. And as a matter of fact, I'd like to summarize your summary. It sounded like you had three steps to it. And one is to ask yourself simply what my conditions are. You ask yourself, so what are my rules for being happy? What do I think in my mind I need or, or don't want in order to be happy? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. the second thing that you mentioned is questioning. Is it really true that I need this mm -hmm. to be happy? And then the third thing that you mentioned is, I believe, uh, resting in the present moment. Uh, because if you're experiencing everything directly, especially if it's nonverbal, right now in the present moment, you're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. And these conditions we have are all stories we have about the past and the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things I like about Tony Robbins stuff is that he says a lot of these conditions happen through a primary question that we have as the filter. And that primary question is usually something that was conditioned into us, like around age two. Uh, common primary questions would be things like, why am I not good enough? Or what do I need to achieve to be loved? And if you're looking at the world through those questions, through those lenses, there's always more to do. There's always a sense of lack. So you never quite rest in the peace of awareness and now because your brain is always focusing on what is missing. Yes, and it's not only focusing on what you don't have, but it's also focusing on what's wrong. What's wrong with yourself? What's wrong with others? What's wrong with the world? 
And when we're talking about what's wrong with yourself, we're talking about what I call your core wound or your core mm -hmm. negative belief. In other words, what you think is ultimately wrong with yourself. And we have conditions about that too. In other words, we have the idea that we have to be not flawed. And that's nonsense. You can be flawed and perfectly happy because flawed, yeah. flawed has to do with the personality. Happiness is so much bigger than the individual personality. It's, it's everything. It's what you appear in. It's, it's unconditional. And if you think that you have to be non-flawed to either be happy or enlightened, well, you got a long road ahead of you. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. And, uh -huh. and that's why I apply a, a very simple rule. I call it, I've talked about this on this podcast before. I call it SBFD, which is so big friggin' deal. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I remember hearing Gangaji once say this. There was someone who was talking and saying, you know, I get, I, I, I get judgmental. And Gangaji says, so? So you're judgmental. You know, yeah. and so, so I'm flawed. So big friggin' deal. So somebody doesn't act the way I like. So big friggin' deal. So sometimes I get triggered or angry. So you're human. It's what happens. The idea that anything shouldn't be that's really happening or that anything that's not happening should be happening, those are the conditions we place on our experience. Those are what cover genuine, permanent happiness. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you got to make sure you don't use those ideas as a spiritual bypass to not take responsibility for your conditioning or your conditions, which I see sometimes happens. And the the ability to say oh yeah that's that's still part of my programming and possibly even work to change the programming that is no longer helpful to you is i think a big part of spirituality sometimes you and i have disagreed about this but you know using the two wing analogy as we often do one wing of spirituality could be called direct awakening you awaken to that you are awareness in this moment. And for that, you just allow things to be exactly as they are. The other wing, though, in my opinion, is looking at your programming, your conditioning or your conditions, and seeing that some of it really is weighing you down or is keeping you from being a truly loving vehicle for peace and love in the world, and that you're trying to change that programming that no longer serves you. What do you think? Well, that may be true for some people. Uh, I don't find it true for me, although I, also, I have noticed that ever since I started on this particular path, I've, I've noticed when I've been unkind, and I'm kinder now. I noticed when, but that has to do with realizing that I had conditions on how the other people should behave. And mm -hmm. I said, well, wait a minute, let them be the way, the way they are without conditions. And then I, I was automatically kinder. So it wasn't about, it, 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 in other words, it didn't start with the idea that I had to fix my flaws. It started with the idea that we are all one that we are all initially the same. And then when realizing that, 
the the ideas in my head that were different from that, that weren't aligned with that, arose, got noticed, and I was able to do something about it. I think we may be talking about the same thing, except that I'm talking about where you start. You start with what's wrong with mm -hmm. me and I'm going to fix it? Or do you start with realizing the, um, the, the actual true nature, the unconditional love that is the core of reality? And perhaps with some people, it's better to start with one and the other. And so I'm not saying, you know, I think each person needs to find out. For me, uh, it didn't work for me trying to fix my flaws. It backfired, mm -hmm. it made me miserable, depressed, and my flaws didn't get fixed. Right, right. And, and I think you bring up a good point that, first of all, these two wings called the direct awakening and the working on conditioning approach are complementary. You can't really do them at the same time. You have to do one or the other in any given moment. But as you directly awaken, you become more aware of conditioning that doesn't align with you and awareness. And as you work on your conditioning, if you do it right, it is like letting rocks out of a backpack you're holding and makes you lighter and potentially then gets you to a place where awareness and awakening to direct peace is more obvious to you. Yes. Well, I can go along think? with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can go along with that, especially since it's, I believe, part of your direct experience. I mean, you're not talking theoretically, are you? Yeah, well, you're right. I spent 26 years with a teacher that focused more, much more on the looking at the obstacles in yourself, which we were calling like all the conditioning and conditions in yourself. And his theory was that as you see that stuff, clearly it starts to fall away because you don't consciously do stupid things. If you're doing stupid things, it's because you're not aware of them. And um, I would say that it definitely was useful. And I also saw that if it's not balanced out with direct experience of awareness, then it does kind of become a little bit self-helpy and can kind of get people to be down on themselves and can uh you can go around in circles the analogy we always use is a plane needs two equally balanced wings if one wing is strong and one is weak the plane goes around in circles and then crashes and i saw a lot of people crash because they were too focused on oh i'm bad because i still have this this obstacle and and you obviously had that experience too where it really didn't work for you very well yeah, and I think it's important that that you point that out. And 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 sure, I think the two wings are great because if you are enlightened and you're a jerk and you think you're better than everyone else because you're enlightened, then obviously only one wing is is working for you. But right. I but I do think that you can seriously delay your awakening by focusing on on your flaws because mm -hmm. you are placing a condition on your happiness. I will only be happy or a condition on your enlightenment or awakening. I will only awaken when I fix such and such a flaw. And it's not true. And the other thing is mm -hmm. I actually don't agree 100%, and this is only from experience, that knowing, being aware 
of your flaws is enough to make you stop having them. Because a lot of them are so deeply, deeply rooted in pre-verbal conditioning that even if you know you have a bad habit and you think it's wrong and you try to stop it and you, you don't. And this, you see this happening yeah. over and over again, which is why I don't believe in the, in the dog poop analogy. You know, you have to, if you see the dog poop, then you don't step in it because we know over and over again, we know the dog poop is there and yet we step in it over and over again. Uh-huh. Well, I will begrudgingly, and I emphasize begrudgingly, give you that point. Um, <laughs> but uh, taking the point further, I think it depends how you see, from what in you, you see your conditioning. Meaning that, and this is where the, the two sides of this are, are complementary. Because if you clearly, the more clearly you see something from non-judgmental, impartial, spacious awareness, and the more frequently you see it from that part of you, the more likely something that's not serving you will change. But people don't see their own faults from that part of themselves usually. They see it from past shame, past self-criticism, past resistance. And when we look at our own conditioning from those parts of ourselves, then it really doesn't change very well. And it can get into like a downward spiral. Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction that you make, where we see it from. And, and I agree with you that what you describe is necessary, although possibly not sufficient, but seeing that clearly mm -hmm. is necessary. I agree with you there. But the point you make about where we see it from is key. If we see our flaws or other flaws from the point of view of our mind's idea of what should be, um, that's one thing. When we see it from the background, in other words, what knows our experience, including our mind, body, and personality? What's bigger than our mind, body, and personality that's aware of our mind, body, and personality? When we look at our flaws from there, identifying with that, that pure background of awareness, which is by its very nature, unconditional, then we start, then the that unconditional energy starts to flow back into the personality when we make contact with it. And so you're probably, I, I think the two-wing analogy here is good as long as, uh, because you can't, you, you can't forget one of them. When you forget one of them, you're right, you fly around in circles. But you need to look at the flaws from the, the bigger picture, from the big eye, not the little me. Yeah, yeah, so important. So, so we finally have gone to a place of agreement, despite our best efforts, Brian, um, uh, which often happens. Yeah, we uh, always we always try to argue with each other, and then somehow, oh yeah, oh wow, he makes a really good point there. Hmm, maybe I'm wrong. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <gasps> oh, and or, that was or, a, or that was a condition I used to have on experience. I have to be mm -hmm. right. As you let that condition go, it opens the door for more exploratory conversations. Yeah, that's right. Let go. So, so I, I want to discuss the, the next aspect of this, which is 
So you have a bunch of conditions, a lot of rules you place on reality before you can be happy. It's nice to, the more you tap into awareness, the more you see it, which sometimes can be, you know, like, oh my gosh, there's a lot here. There's a lot of, <laughs> of conditions I'm placing on reality. Well, what do you do about that? Well, one thing is you keep on trying to see clearly and be present. But there are a lot of tools psychologists mostly use, like me, I'm a psychotherapist, that help people to release or change their conditioning. And I think that a lot of people can benefit from that, that haven't used it much or will sometimes spiritual bypass it. And I want to talk about some of the technologies out there that I have found to be useful in that regard. Sound good? Yeah, I'm all ears, except that I want to okay. clarify what you mean by technologies. Do you mean like electronic stuff or do you mean methods? <laughs> I mean methods, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. You know, the first one, which I think is actually the hardest, is to completely let go of blame. Blaming other people, blaming your parents, blaming the situation, and see that, oh, I have a rule or condition I'm placing on reality. So it's easy, you know, let's say your partner drinks a lot. Actually, I don't want to use that an example. Let's say that they do something like watch TV a lot, and you're upset about it. Well, you can blame your partner, and, you know, you have a condition that if we're going to have a good relationship, they need to not watch a lot of TV. But if you take responsibility and you say, oh, I have a condition that that anybody I'm with must watch less than 30 minutes of TV a day or I can't be with them. And you think, well, is that, do I, is that condition serving me? Is that rule serving me? So it's really taking full responsibility rather than offloading it on the culture or our partner or reality in some other sense. And that's really hard for a lot of people to do because there's always an element where you can blame the situation or a person. Yes, I think that's really great. Letting go of blame. And would you include letting go of blame of yourself? Because some people, when they stop blaming others or the world, they start blaming themselves instead. That's a great point. And they might think like, oh, if I blame myself, I'm taking full responsibility. But blaming yourself is actually another way of obscuring seeing your conditioning clearly. Right. You know, it, 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 it kind of comes in the back door, but it really has the same effect that it makes it very hard to work on it, um, even though you might think that you're working on it. So good point. Um, so, you know, having the clarity about what your new rules or new beliefs you would like to have is the second step, you know? So let's say you have a rule that my partner can't watch more than 30 minutes a day of TV. Well, what would you like your new one to be? What would you like your new rule to be? You know, um, that, that can be helpful for changing something that is no longer serving you. And, and gain that clarity is sometimes challenging as well. Well, I like the idea of instead of just getting rid of something, replacing it with something, because I've known, you know, especially for habits, that's often much more effective. But I'm not quite clear on what 
that would look like. For example, if your rule is my partner shouldn't watch television all the time, what would a new rule around that be like? Well, it has to be something that you that feels comfortable to you and 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 is realistic. So it might be uh, I'm totally fine with I can love my partner and accept them as long as they don't watch more than three hours of TV a day. Uh-huh. You know, because if you say, um, oh, any any amount, they can watch any amount and I can be okay. Well, let's see. Let's see if they watch 11 hours a day and see if you can be happy with that. You know, so you have to say, well, you know, the current rule I have on how things should be it might be a little too strict. I can stretch and feel good about this level, this new level, but it's really unrealistic to say I can unconditionally love them no matter what they do. Okay, let them drink a, a, a gallon of bourbon a day and see if you still love them as much. Well, I think that that is, and of course, we must allow ourselves the permission to not be perfect. But I think that right. loving unconditionally is the goal and is attainable. It is. It just may not be realistic. You might not believe it. I've had people think, oh, I should be able to love no matter what. Well, you know, uh, the fifth time they punch you in the mouth, maybe you should love them a little bit less. And there are situations like that where where I've seen people have a rule where I should be able to love them no matter what they do, and they're in an abusive relationship. And I tell them, get the hell out of there. Right. But loving does not preclude taking action when you are wronged. It does not preclude um, seeing unhealthy behavior and taking steps. It doesn't, you know, un- True. Uh, it, it, because if you were if, if you thought that loving unconditionally means you couldn't accept you couldn't take any steps against anything, then that's a new rule. That's another um, division of reality. That's another duality that you're putting in. Oh, I'm not allowed to do such and such. No, you, 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 you love unconditionally, but you also accept the fact that sometimes you're called upon to take steps to help or to prevent abuse. Great point. And, and that's a point that some people have a hard time seeing that they can love and still create boundaries, create rules that protect themselves. And I'm glad you mentioned that. But let's say you do have a rule. I'll try and use a personal example. Um, I, I had a rule that used to be I had to have three really enjoyable meals a day. Uh-huh. And, you know, so if I was really busy and, and or I was on the road and all that was available was fast food, it'd be quite upsetting. Like, oh, well, you know, I, that's not really good food. I, I can't be okay with that. I must have three totally balanced, nutritious meals a day or life sucks. You know, that was kind of what was going <laughs> through my head. Well, you know, then I realized, why? You know, uh, a lot of half the earth is having one. They're lucky if they have one good meal a day and they're perfectly happy with that. So, you know, why not be okay with the fact that I try to eat well when I can? And if I can't, 
that's okay. Not a problem. Mm -hmm. So I, I decided I would change this programming, this conditioning. And then you get into the question, how do you do that? Right. Well, there's belief changing. We uh, did a great episode with Lion Goodman about belief changes. I think it was episode 83. And he led a great belief change exercise that uh, is in our meditation section on awarenessexplorers.com. I believe it was also episode 83 called Changing Beliefs. That's one thing. Another thing is there's therapy practices like internal family systems that I do with people where you kind of talk to that part that has that old conditioning and you kind of give it another job. That's a 10 second description of a huge area of therapy, which uh, someday we'll probably go more into. But that's another way of kind of changing or updating your conditioning. There's EMDR, which is a form of therapy that involves moving the eyes back and forth that deal with trauma. That can be a way of changing conditioning. There's hypnosis. I'm a hypnotist, and that works really well for about 40% of people. And then there's things like um, uh, what I call incantations. These are like programming statements that you say in high intensity emotional uh, catharsis levels that can kind of recondition. Those are just some of the ways. There's a lot of ways I work with people that way, and and some of them work really well, and some of them work well for one person, not another person. There's neurolinguistic programming. As I said, there's a lot of different things out there. If that's something that people want to work on. But I think the, the first and most important step is that you see like, hmm, this is old conditioning. The world or my partner is not to blame. This is just kind of a burden. This is like a heavy rock in my backpack. I'd like to let it go. And once you make that decision, then exactly how to let it go is a matter of preference. Yeah. You know what? What uh, one method that works for me, and I think there's an important distinction. We might not be able to let go of all these conditions right away, and in every situation, and all day long, but we usually can for a few minutes while we're sitting quietly. And so, practice there, just for a few mm -hmm. minutes. Just sit and say, "Okay, for this next one minute, five minutes, whatever, I'm going to allow." everything to be exactly as it is, including how I feel, what I'm thinking, how the world is, just for mm -hmm. a few minutes. And if you do that often enough, you will start to be able to apply it elsewhere as you're walking around, as you're reading, as you're experiencing. And it will, you know, you practice small and allow that to expand and eventually it will color your whole experience and you start allowing everything to be exactly as it is all day long, including sometimes being called upon to take action. Yeah, I'm glad you said that as well, because that's really a really good, quick description of the Sedona method, which is a method I really like. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of a bridge between the direct awakening and the reconditioning. That's what I like about it is that it's, it's, it's so simple, 
And yet it really is a bridge because you're like taking whatever is the conditioning that's up for you. And in the Sedona method, they usually have you categorize that conditioning as in one of three categories that you're trying to hold on to the control or you're trying to get somebody's approval or you're trying to get some kind of security in the future. Mm -hmm. And the essence of the Sedona method in, in 30 seconds is you ask, could I let go of wanting that, striving, craving that just for right now? So in the example of the food thing where I need three balanced meals a day, I might say, could I let go of wanting the control over everything I eat just for right now, just for this minute? Could I let go of that striving, wanting that control? Yeah. And if you can, then what's left is you're peacefully in the present moment and all's good. Yep. Yep. And you have dented that conditioning because when it came up, you just let it go. And you do that enough, and then the conditioning just kind of falls away. And I like that word dented, because sometimes when I, when I first learned the Sedona method, you would ask the question, just for now, could you let go of wanting to be safe, for example, or wanting control or wanting approval? And sometimes the answer was no. And even when the answer is no, you still made a tiny dent. Yeah. And you just keep doing it over and over again. And that dent will become a, you know, a big hole. And pretty soon you'll start dropping these. Yeah. I have a one page description of the Sedona method. I call it Sedona in three minutes. And it goes into it pretty well. And I think it'd be a good idea to send it to our Patreon supporters because it's a nice summary. It's a nice technique. And it's so simple, but you want to get it just right. And so Let's let's do that. We'll send it to anybody who's our Patreon supporters. And you know, since you support us, we want to support you. And and that's a very simple way we can do that. But you know, at, at its essence, it's really asking a question whenever conditioning shows up. And that is, could I let go of this just for right now? Mm-hmm. And there are fine points. You know, I've read I've read four thousand pages about the Sedona method. There are a lot of fine points, but if you want to put it down into 30 seconds, that's a good summary. Mm-hmm. I agree. So anything else about conditioning or conditions that uh, we haven't covered that comes to mind? Well, we pretty much covered it all. Uh, you were going through different methods and I, I gave one of mine. Did you have more or, or was that, did we basically cover I, I'm a method. I'm a method junkie, uh, I know. Brian. So of course I have more methods, but I think that, you know, just naming a bunch. I mentioned uh, there's other ones I've liked. One's called consciousness focusing. Uh, one's called ART. Uh, there's internal family systems. There's hypnosis. There's asking a new question like, what's the price I pay by having this old conditioning? You know, that will get you focused. Focusing on, on linking pain to your old conditioning can help to let it go. So there's a lot of stuff out there. But as I said, once you are clear that something is no longer working for you and that you're not blaming the world or other other people, uh, the gig is usually close to being up. Yeah, good. Sounds good. I hear that you have a 
meditation having to do with conditions? I certainly do. I have uh, a condition for being happy, and that is that you say your meditation, and once you do that, I know then I will be completely at peace. <laughs> I like that. Although you couldn't be at peace if I just skipped the meditation. That's a condition I have, baby, and, uh, and <laughs> I'm not willing to let that go right now. Okay, so here we go. First, take a nice, easy, deep breath and begin to relax. Here's a series of questions to ask yourself as honestly as possible. What do you want? What is your deepest desire? Why do you want it? How would you feel if you had it? How would your life change if you got it? Would you then be happy? or at peace, or enlightened? What needs to change about yourself, or others, or the world? What do you need to get that you don't have so that you can feel happy, peaceful, awake. What do you need to get rid of so that you can feel happy, peaceful, awake? These are the conditions you have on life. In other words, for me to be happy, this needs to happen. You fill in the this. But what we don't see is that these conditions we have for our experience, these demands we have on ourselves, others in the world, are the very things that veil happiness and peace. Ask yourself, just for a few minutes, could I drop any condition I have on my experience? Just for now, just for the next few moments. Give yourself permission to return to your conditions later if you want to, but just for now, Ask yourself, can I let go of any and all conditions I place on any of my experience, including my experience of myself, my experience of others, or my experience of the world?
true happiness is your natural state. Deep peace is your natural state. They are the background of all experience, the pure ground of being, the clear, empty field in which all experience appears. It's like a clear mirror that doesn't choose what to reflect, but reflects everything that appears in it, willingly, choicelessly, lovingly. Picture a dry erase whiteboard. Imagine that you, your own awareness, is a whiteboard. And written on this whiteboard, there's a list of conditions you require in order for your experience to be the way you want it to be. Take a moment to look at the whiteboard and the writing on it in detail. Now, instead of focusing on the writing, focus on the white space around, between, and behind the writing. Imagine that white space is you, you awareness. Imagine that you have a perfectly smooth, perfectly working dry eraser. Smoothly and cleanly erase the list of conditions written on the whiteboard. All that's left is the clean, clear white background. When you get in touch with the nature of this background as complete willingness for anything to be written upon it or anything to appear in it, you've connected to unconditional love. You've connected to unconditional happiness. You've connected to your true original nature, which is love and happiness itself. If your mind starts to tell you that you still need those conditions, simply thank your mind for its opinion and continue erasing. We think our peace and happiness lies outside of ourselves in the circumstances of our lives, in our outer experiences, which need to conform to the list our minds have made up for us and written on our inner whiteboard. But it's not true. Peace and happiness are already here in the very nature of the whiteboard. The clear, field of experience with no conditions.
That's the real you. Hidden beneath your list of conditions. Be clear. Be empty. Be willing. Be okay with all experience. Have no expectations. Have no conditions. And become your true self, which is happiness and peace itself. Now, take another nice, easy, deep breath. And at your own pace, begin to open your eyes. That was one of my favorite meditations of yours. Oh, really? A little bit different than normal. And uh, I'll tell you about a certain experience I had. First of all, I love the idea of the whiteboard as the awareness and then the all the rules we write on it as obscuring that whiteboard to some extent. But while you were talking about this, there was a couple of like really, really minor garbles of words, like uh, just a, a slight zoom thing where a word syllable might not have sounded perfectly. Yeah. And in that moment, <laughs> I saw that, that I had a rule that, the sound must be perfect on the podcast because I had negative emotion show up, which was obscuring the whiteboard or the awareness in that moment. It was like a, a gift of grace to have it happen three or four times and really small things, which showed me just how small it can be and how subtle these little rules can be that say, I can't be happy if one syllable is not totally pronounced just perfectly. You know, it, it's, it's just made me laugh. Uh, so, so I think uh, that was a very effective meditation and very effective metaphor for what we're up against. What a perfect example. Uh, but by the way, um, this metaphor of the whiteboard is actually related to the very first meditation you recorded on Awareness Explorers, uh, which was the eraser method. Way back when we were nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure if your voice had changed yet. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> we come a long way in many episodes since then, but uh, well, I love how we can kind of... Uh, climb on each other's shoulders and, and take it higher and farther. Yeah. So uh, if, if somebody is looking for a task to do, I think the seeing those rules on that whiteboard, seeing conditions that may not be serving you anymore. I like the question you asked, which was, well, do you remember the question you asked there? Something like, uh, well, I asked a few dozen questions probably, but uh, in, what was the category? And I'll, I'll remember. It was like, um, what's in the way of seeing this uh, background awareness? But I don't remember the exact question, but they were all in that, uh, the, focusing on what might no longer be a rule or condition that is serving you. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions, what, 
what do you need to get that you don't have so that you could be happy, peaceful, and awake? And what you need, what do you need to get rid of so that yeah. you can feel happy, peaceful, and awake? And uh, could I just for, for just for a few minutes, could I drop any condition I have on my experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are the key questions. And um, it's available at any moment. It's always going on. And uh, unless you're in, in bliss, there's usually some subtle or not so subtle condition you're placing on reality that is obscuring our true nature of Satchitananda, pure consciousness bliss. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's such a good point, because that bliss, that Satchitananda, isn't this thing you get from the outside. It's the thing you uncover. Right by moving out of the way, the stuff that's blocking it, the stuff that's veiling it or, or obscuring yep. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we can say it any clearer. And hopefully if you resonate with this stuff, let your friends, family, mate, listen to it and have discussions on your own. And hopefully as you let go or see some of the conditions clearly, they dissolve in them themselves and what you're left with is true peace your true nature beautifully said thank you jonathan so till next time friends thank you for being here thank you for being someone who's willing to be open to these ideas and keep exploring keep exploring thank you for listening to awareness explorers to learn more you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love. Welcome back, Awareness Explorers. Good to have you. I am the co-host, Jonathan Robinson. I'm with my custody, trusty co-host. <laughs> Why don't you start again? Because there was, a, there was a little garbling on the word I, a little Zoom thing. So <clears throat> okay. I, I, I think crusty toe-host is actually fine, though. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one.